Hi everyone and welcome to episode 110 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Lauren. Hi guys. And we're joined by Jared again. Welcome Jared. Thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I think it's an early morning start for you today. Yes, very early. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely the earliest I've gone up for podcasting. It's <laughs> the dedication we need. I like yes, it. Yes, yes. So we have a uh, an interesting show for you guys today. Um, we've got uh, a very big segment where we're going to talk about the recent Square Enix earnings report that came out. And essentially what that means for the future of Final Fantasy, in our opinion. Um, and also, we'll discuss some other franchises in there too. Yeah, why not, eh? We've then got a few news announcements, um, and then that's pretty much it. So we're really going to focus on the what we feel is going to be the, the future of Final Fantasy at this point and, and where we think the ship's going. And then yeah, so we've got a couple of news stories in there to keep things a bit fresh. Um, there haven't been too many announcements in the last month, so um, it's been quite light on that front. Before we get onto all that, though, um, I have a quick announcement. We are setting up an email address, which is going to be podcast at com. And we're basically going to have that open so that if you ever have any questions for us, uh, just personally, um, you can just ping them to us there and we'll answer them. Or if you've got any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, uh, feel free to send them there as well. Um, obviously we'll still put out feelers on Twitter for people asking questions, but, um, we just thought we'd have some dedicated location for you to kind of go and send us stuff if you wanted to. We've also got some iTunes reviews that we wanted to go through. So the first one is from the UK, called, uh, from someone called Mr. Titus. And they said, it, uh, and this is really, really pleasing for us to hear that this is uh, the be- best Final Fantasy podcast by a mile. Uh, they specifically said that uh, they've been listening to Final Fantasy Union for a few years now and that they're amazed by the consistent quality that we have and also the cool exclusives that we managed to get, which is pretty cool. Hmm. And then we have one from the US, which was from Rissa2228, uh, who says they feel the show is completely awesome. Uh, they came across the show a little while ago and they are now completely hooked. Yeah. Which is, awesome. uh, I think specifically mentioned for Lauren and her occasional bits of Japanese in that <laughs> review. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to say some Japanese. Oh, arigato gozaimasu. There we go. Urusai. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you really enjoy the show, please go on iTunes and rate it um, and write a review. We really appreciate them. And, uh, you know, we're going to start reading out reviews on the show from, uh, from moving forward now. So uh, you might get mentioned on the show. Mm. Um, this is the first time you're listening to the show. Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union. And it's presented by the Gaming Union Network. We run on a four-week rotation, so you get a new show every other Tuesday. So we rotate with Kingdom Hearts Union at the moment. And we come out on the iTunes store, obviously. And we also come out on FinalFantasyUnion.com and YouTube.com forward slash FFUnionVids. For Patreon, we have uh, two new shout-outs that we're going to do this episode. So we've got Harley Crawley and Michael Graham. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you, guys. For anyone else who's interested in supporting us on Patreon, go to Patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. So that's a really quick intro. Uh, Laura and I just really want to do a quick uh, summary of MCM Expo, which we got oh, back from uh, yesterday. Yes. Uh, we had a really, really fun time checking out all the different things. And we met a load of uh, different Final Fantasy people in cosplay and just walking around the show, really. Yeah, it was great. We got to see so much cosplay. Um, basically, there's this uh, group. It's called Square Enix Collective. And... Um, they are just a massive cosplay group that go around in the UK, uh, to cons. And, um, they really, really, really have grown significantly. Like, I mean, we were talking to Jigger, who's one of the admins of the, uh, Facebook group. And, um, he basically yesterday was just like, I, I, this is probably the biggest that we've ever had. I think we managed to have over a hundred people at the shoot. Yeah, on and Saturday. this is a hundred wow, awesome. like Final Fantasy cosplayers. It was a mixture of lightning, snows, clouds, everything. We saw some Vincents. There was two Tomberries. There were two Tomberries. Yes, there were. Oh wow! Yeah, a few Moogles. Just like a, bu- a bunch of people who cosplayed. Um, There's a Prompto as well and a Noctis. But yeah, no, it was it was really 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 cool to see um, and. Yeah, and um other than that we just we just really just walked around. Um my Lauren, feet Lauren kill. bought a fat chocobo. I did buy a fat chocobo. Oh my gosh. If you guys haven't <laughs> seen what the chat fat chocobo looks like, it's like a big It's huge. Huge plushie and it is so cute. I think they've actually like down the price significantly because I remember the last time I saw it online it was like sixty pounds. Now it's like only 
36 pounds. But um, if you want to see a picture of glorious. it, go on our Facebook page and there's a big picture of Lauren cuddling it. Oh, it's so nice. <laughs> it's so fuzzy. Oh, now so the cute. people who were uh, dressed as the Tombers, were they going around poking people with their thick knives? I did see some poking. I did see some poking at Yes. It was very, very cute. They uh, went around in like a little group as well. They managed yeah. to find each other and then they were they were hunting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. They were so cute. The one was actually... Um, one was dressed more like a traditional Tomberry, and um, the other girl, Kirsty, uh, Kirsty Nash, she um, dressed as like a sort of almost casual um, cosplay with the tail. Um, and it was really cute. Like um, she had a little, um, she had a, a little brown hooded dress, and then um, she had really, really pretty uh, green curly hair and a little crown and a little lantern. She, it, it just was so cool. Yeah, and then we went out to uh, uh, to go for a meal with the uh, Nash Red Wings, who are a free company on Final Fantasy fourteen, and pretty much ate our weight in chicken cats curry. Yes, there were twenty eight of us there, I believe. Yep. And uh, Laura and I got some cool hoodies, so we yeah. now officially are integrated into the free company. Cabbage patch as, and pumpkin patch. The patch family, yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, we had a really good time, and we are absolutely shattered now. Yeah. But we're trying not to let it affect our podcasting. Yes, no. We are dedicated. We are still doing the podcast, even though we haven't sat down, really, in the last 24 hours. Mm. But yeah, so that was MCM. Um, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. If, you, if you live in the UK and you haven't, had, and you haven't been to MCM Expo, do go. Mm-hmm. Um, they have them all over, don't yeah. they? Because they have them in like Manchester and then... Birmingham as um, well, I think. Yeah, Birmingham. So and there's usually some voice actors there. I mean, this year they had Nolan yeah. North and Jessica DeChico, who are uh, both in Final Fantasy. And in Ireland, I mean, uh, they had... Uh, uh, Ali Hillis come. Oh, so nice. They always, get, they always get like a few people at least. But yes, that's uh, that's MCM. And uh, we're now going to move on to our main topic, which is that we feel the future for Final Fantasy is looking pretty bright. Hmm. Um, Very shiny. So <laughs> the premise for this is that um, Square Enix just released their annual earnings on the 21st of October. And uh, there were some pretty positive things in there. I've got some statistics here to uh, to wow you all. The first is that this year their net income came in at around 9.8 billion yen, which equates to 53 million pounds or 81 million US dollars. Um, this actually had a 40 about a 48 percent increase on the previous year. It's crazy. And, isn't it? That's amazing. And the interesting thing about this is that um, since Matsuda took over from from Yuichi Wada in 2013, the last two years. So he's only had two years so far. The last two years have been their first and third best since 2009. So wow, he's wow. And, and two of those years as well under Wada were significant losses. We're talking like 10, 10 billion yen losses in two of those years. Yeah. So it's been there's been a massive upturn since he's taken over. And I think from from our perspective, you can clearly see how things have changed. Um, there's been a significant change in the the types of games that have been releasing. Mm. Uh, the announcement that they've been making and how they've been trying to deal with certain scenarios that have been cropping up. Whereas I think under Yuichi Wada, was, everything was very stagnant. There's lots of, uh, there wasn't really too much direction. And I think, I don't know about you guys, um, but I, I felt that the fans were generally being exploited towards the end of his reign. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, let's think. So what was going on, like, when he was just about to leave? So that was, like, the Final Fantasy thirteen two era type stuff, that was wasn't the, it? Yeah, that was the, the well, essentially the thirteenth franchise was his last main legacy for mm. the Final Fantasy franchise. And he, he is why we got all the bravest, isn't it? Yes, I've got that listed down here. As, um, they, they made a big point in the mobile section of the report to talk about the fact that they've they've gone to games like Record Keeper and All the Bravest was released I think a couple of months before Yuichi Wada stepped down, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, they definitely improved that significantly because, yeah, All the Bravest was just an absolute, like, nightmare. There were so many people who absolutely hated it. I didn't even, like, bother with it. But Record Keeper, oh my god. So many of my friends have just been like, have you have you played more of Record Keeper? I've been playing it like forever. Like we have one friend who literally has gotten like pretty much every character that you could possibly get on Record Keeper. Oh wow! It's it's turned even cynics around. Yeah, like, I know that. Um, there's a there's a big uh, a ho- well, there's a whole thing about people don't really want to invest that much in mobile games. Uh, they're not seen as uh, adequate compared to home console games or even um like handheld console games. And all the bravest really. Just 
epitomized everything that was wrong with mobile. I mean, even look at how they dealt with Theatrhythm too. The fact that the mobile game was pretty much the handheld console game, but with all these cash incentives thrown in. Yeah, it's basically just DLC. Yeah. It's like you don't even have to pay a thing in order to get a full, a full well-rounded experience in Record Keeper. Like it really does feel completely optional. Um, I mean, obviously if you want to get like, um, more chances at relic weapons, you're going to pay some money to get some gems and that type of stuff and like tokens. But it's up to you, which I think is really important. The only gripe that I have with it, and it's the gripe that I have with like a lot of the mobile games is just that you have to have wifi in order to play it. So, like, if you're on, like, a long train journey and you have no Wi-Fi, it's really, really annoying. I don't know how they could do it another way, though. <sighs> no, me neither, because they're constantly updating it, aren't they? Yeah, so, I mean, everything you do has to go to a database to make sure that everything is working correctly and exactly. everything's stored and all that so stuff. So, it's fair enough, but that's the yeah, only I mean, the, the only other alternative it. would be to use cellular data instead, but, I mean, considering there's some people who only go for the bare minimum, you know, one gigabyte a month, that's just not doable. No. Yeah, no. No, I I would cry. <laughs> For example, with me as well, like if I wanted to play on the train on the way home, I don't even, there's lots of black spots and yeah, that's true too. those games don't really work that well if you go in and out of stuff. We have so many tunnels. But yeah, no, I think, I think definitely we've already seen, we've already seen a change. I think that the marketing has been pretty smart in terms of like um, getting people to, um, to buy things, but not feel like they're being like treated like an atm machine essentially like i mean you think about like type zero like type zero is a great game on its own but the fact that they also added the final fantasy 15 demo on it as well i think that that was just a really smart idea for them to get more people to buy the game without just making it blatant we're we're trying to get money out of you (laughs) if that's a way to put it i think um i mean all the bravest for me was the low point yeah I think that was the moment mm-hmm. where, because it, it pretty much was just a, a an ATM like press this button to pay us money, and I think they've the 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 mentality now has been. I think they looked at um, not they probably would admit it. I think they really did look at how Terra Battle was doing for Mistwalker and Sakaguchi. The fact that that they that has been so successful for them, and again, it was a completely free to play model. You could only you only invested money if you wanted to, and Record Keep has been really successful for them based on that same model because. Funnily enough, if you give people a good value proposition, they're willing to support you. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy, right? Yeah, <laughs> crazy concept. Um, it's how these games uh, companies all started. They made a game that people wanted to buy. They didn't get forced to buy anything. <laughs> um, so I think they've they've kindly figured that out, and I think they've realised that the mobile platform isn't just there for exploitation. It's there because it's a good platform, and you can make games that are strong. Which is why we've seen them uh, expanding to making titles like Mobius or and yes. Brave Exvius as well. So Mobius was produced by Kataze. You know, once he finished with Light Returns, they they put him on a mobile game, and that's not a downgrade. No, so many people really want it in the West. I I really want it in the West. It's it looks so so cool. And Brave Exvius as well. I I think that's just come out in Japan, or is it? It's coming out very soon. And again, that's another one where. They're trying to really push the franchise out and not demean it. Yeah. Which I think is the important thing because games like All the Bravest, they just tarnished the reputation of the franchise and kind of dragged it It, it really did. The other thing that I think that I've seen that's been a positive since the transition is communication. Because I think about like in the past when we've, when we were first starting on the website, there really wasn't that much communication as far as like, um, the actual directors with us. Like there was the occasional interview, like maybe with Nomura and Famitsu and Dengeki and stuff. But, um, and I know a lot of people have had gripes with the fact that like Tabata <laughs> speaks a bit too much. Yeah, he might be, he might be going too far the other way. <laughs> But yep. I like the fact that they are allowed to try it. Um, I, I think it's like, it speaks a lot that they're able to actually like try to do things and they are, they have a bit of a sense of humor about themselves as well. Cause oh my God, if you guys see the, um, pictures on, uh, Twitter that they've been posting of like Gladiolus oh, no, with, uh, his shirtlessness yeah, and Tabata, Tabata and his rock. like it it just seems like they're having fun it doesn't seem like it's and so i mean some people are considering that as like they should be taking this a lot more seriously but i think it's just like they're the internal um things have seems to have changed internally 
Yeah. Like it, it doesn't seem to be um, as militaristic anymore. Like you <laughs> it's will, not Konami. Yeah, you will release this game. Like you will mm-hmm. make the Lightning Returns uh, franchise. Like you will make the Final Fantasy Thirteen franchise successful. Mm. You will. Yeah. <laughs> it's just no and question. I mean, it, if, even though you know some people are complaining that now they're talking too much, I think it's you know at least from our perspective, it's a lot nicer that at least they're willing to talk to us compared to where they won't say anything. I mean, I'm perfectly okay with them accidentally leaking some spoilers as long as they're genuinely trying to talk and get in touch. With their fan base. I mean, that's a massive improvement over what we used to have. Oh my gosh, yeah. They yeah, used I mean, to focus so much on Japanese. It's the question, right? Would you rather them say absolutely nothing or say some things and then occasionally say too much? <laughs> yeah, I'd rather Because the difference is, if, if they say nothing, that's all you have. You have no choice. You can't make them say something. Whereas if they're saying too much, you can always just choose not to pay attention. I think it's also nice that, like, sort of more personalities have come out. Because, like, for so long, it was just, like, Nomura, Kitaze. Like, I mean, granted, they're great. They're they're absolutely fantastic. Like, don't get me wrong. But, like, now we have, like, Tabata, and then we have Yoshi P. And, like, it just feels like we have, like, a lot more... Uh, 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 Square Enix has some more personalities, and they're, they're really trying to transition now into... Yeah, they're trying to reach out more yeah so within the report they mentioned that final fantasy 14 has been a, a big success for them obviously <laughs> uh, they also mentioned dragon quest 10 which is a stable owner for them even though it's only been released in japan the other thing was interesting to me was that despite i think there was a lot of negativity around type zero's release and people were trying to degrade it based on how much it was selling but square enix have listed it as a major success which would be quite surprising if the game didn't do that well yeah I mean, obviously, they have their own internal goals of what they were hoping for it to achieve. Maybe they don't necessarily align with what we all thought it should achieve. But if we have no idea what their profit margins are, like if they've made this a big success for them and they feel that it's uh, been a positive move for them to release it, that can only be seen as a good thing because they were, I mean, obviously, again, that was under Yuichi Wada's watch, but there was a lot of indecision internally about whether or not they should release it. Obviously, with the Final Fantasy XV demo, they found a scenario where they could make it work for them and make it still financially viable. I mean, you have to remember, these guys, these are also the same people who said uh, Tomb Raider and Hitman were a failure yeah, financially, mm-hmm. while Thirteen Two was a success. Which may actually be true. Might be. In their, in their, in their eyes, profits. Yeah. But I think, like, the other thing is, like, people were so harsh on it, but... Ultimately, it was a PSP port, like a PSP port to PS4. I mean, they couldn't have been thinking like, "Oh, this is going to sell like a major Final Fantasy game." No, I mean, it, if you if you if you really lay down the fact of what it is, it's a really dumb decision. Yeah. Like, can you ever think of someone porting a PSP game, upscaling it slightly, and, re- and releasing it on uh, not only the equivalent home console? but the next generation of home <laughs> yeah. console. That, that, that is pretty ridiculous. It really makes me wonder what the people who like are constantly championing for um, Crisis Core ported to the PS4, what they would actually think of it once it was out. I'd... Oh, I'd be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. I just can't even think about it because I was just Look thinking about like, Nintendo in their handouts, but usually it was the other way around. So they'd take a, an N64 game and then release it on the Game Boy Advance, for example. So it would be the opposite. That makes it makes more sense. Yeah, because it the just co- seems like they're making more work for themselves. Yeah, the the only thing I could figure is the reason they did that was so they could kind of appease everyone outside of Japan, because I mean there was a lot of people outside of Japan who wanted the game, but it was kind of like we weren't getting anything whatsoever. So I figured they they thought at the very least take one for the team and improve relations outside of Japan. That's the only thing I could think of. Well, if that was the case, they would have clearly released on the Vita. <laughs> That's like the, the only thing that everyone's angry about, I think. Yeah, it is It is kind of strange if you consider the fact that like Final Fantasy X HD was released on both it's just the, the It's just the PS4 demo. PS4 and the P- Yeah, that really is all it is. And they just wanted to get it out, didn't they? They didn't want to have to fuss about it. It wouldn't have made sense for them to release on the Vita because Episode Disguise would have been useless. Yeah. And they wanted oh, yeah. everyone to play Episode Disguise because they wanted the feedback. They wanted to know what everyone thought about it. And because... maybe it was just too difficult. Maybe it would just would have taken them so much longer in maybe. order to release it on the Vita. Because, like, if you think about it, like, even with Final Fantasy X HD, like, it has, it has some different functionalities to it. We also don't know if there's issues like there was with uh, Type Zero. 
Oh, uh, Agito. Agito Plus, yeah. yeah. The Agito fact Plus. that they just found a bug they couldn't right. fix. Yeah, yeah. And cancelled. So with regards to the future, um, Scronix have some interesting thoughts about this. Um, and we're going to try and focus specifically on Final Fantasy for this, but there are obviously franchises other than Final Fantasy. Um, the first quote is talking about how they want to work with IPs that they already have. So in the report, it said, we will take an IP developed for earlier generations of game consoles and recreate it for the latest consoles while also proactively developing versions for play on smartphones. So I think there's numerous ways that could be interpreted. What do you guys think? Um, well, I mean, it, the interesting thing is that they don't, they don't specify which, which game that is necessarily, which game series that is. It could be any of them. Yeah, it could be absolutely any of them. They could bring Parasite Eve back for all we know, which I think would be pretty cool, but I don't, I doubt that they actually do it. But, um, yeah, I know that they're, they're already, they're already really, really, really starting to do this with, um, especially the Final Fantasy series. I mean, like pretty much all of them are on iPhone now. They just released, they released six on it. Um, I think they just released five on iOS as well and seven. And they had the portal app. And the portal ad, triple triad, like they've just, they're just really, really, really trying to push the mobile market at the moment. But then they're also doing the HD things and maybe there's some truth in what Arnie Roth was saying at, um, Distant World or it's, you know, maybe they are looking at other titles because that's what I really take from it is that like they're really thinking about what else they can bring back because they did see massive, 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 um, high response uh to re-releasing titles on ps4 and ps3 um they said that they with the release of things like final fantasy 10 10 2 hd remaster they saw people buying games on top of that like buying um older final fantasies on top of that so they were buying like all the other ones that are on psn which is pretty much all of them and um so it would be pretty cool to see what else they sort of take over. I mean, obviously they don't have um nine, like nine is kind of non-existent. It'd be interesting if they actually, if they actually went back to nine, especially since it was like the highest rated one of all of the games. And um I mean, they could do Final Fantasy VI. They really could do uh, like a lot of them still. They have a lot of options. I mean, we've seen them do this for quite a while, taking existing games and pouring them on other consoles. Mm-hmm. I think really it's just we're seeing a greater push, uh, not just to get more out there, but also uh, better quality. I mean, not only on iOS, but PC, we're seeing practically everything ported over to there now from the classic Final Fantasy library. Uh, I absolutely love it. I, I've pretty much bought everything you can buy Final Fantasy-wise on Steam. It's so much fun. I, yeah, I think same here. It's, it's so portable and nice. I can just bring it with me. Like, <laughs> I was saying to Daryl yesterday, like, you know how people bring, like, books on vacation with them? I bring games. <laughs> I don't think you're alone. No. <laughs> it's the new generation. I I played Final Fantasy VII on um, one of our Christmas vacations back to America. And I swear I did take part in festivities. I, I ate a lot. But... In the meantime, I also played Final Fantasy VII. While wearing your uh, Christmas hat. Oh, yes. And ugly Christmas sweaters. So obviously you can look at that as well with the fact that they've announced the Final Fantasy VII remake. So that's bringing a game from an earlier generation and recreating for the latest consoles. Which people have been asking for forever. They have been asking for a very long time. Oh, yeah. Obviously Final Fantasy VII has just been released on mobile as well, which uh, ties in. Um, You've obviously got Dissidia as well. That came out on the PSP quite an old console people were very surprised it didn't come on on the home consoles actually because of the graphical capabilities and how cool that game could have been it's right. it's now coming out on uh, in arcades so again they've taken something from earlier generations they're releasing it for the current market they've really expanded it so it's now a three player arcade game well six player really isn't it mm. 3v3 uh, it's being developed on the PS4 as a base platform, so there's a very high chance that we're going to be getting it on the PS4 at some point. Um, and you've also got games like World of Fun and Fancy, which are kind of trying to harken back. So they've got a classic ATP system in there. Um, they're trying to bring back old monsters, characters you're familiar with. And again, that's trying to um, expand 
what they're doing with with devices and you can even look at other franchises too like kingdom hearts for example they're, they're now like um kingdom hearts key has been pushed onto mobile to make it more uh, accessible um kingdom hearts 3 is actually coming out now so they're they're looking at older i mean you think about kingdom hearts like you know it was on the ps2 primarily as a, as a as a game and all the spin-offs have come on other platforms but Really, yeah, we haven't had a Kingdom Hearts game, a main series Kingdom Hearts game for two console generations now. Which is pretty scary. They're bringing it up to date. They're bringing it up to speed in a big way. So I, I think that's really, it's a bold statement. And I really hope it means that, yeah, some of their older franchises will get maybe a bit more love. I mean, you could even apply it to Nier, really. Well, you also can consider Star Ocean. I mean, when was the last time we had a Star Ocean? A PS3, I think. There's an Xbox 360 everything. exclusive, I believe, initially. I'm missing everything. By the way, I mean, like, it'd be really cool if they if they did revisit some of the other some of the other titles that they have. But either way, they they, they re- it really is endless what kind of stuff that they could bring out. They could even try and do a Rockstar and like just sort of put things on shelves for a while and then release it when they want to. See what happens. Yeah, I'd rather them do that than try and pump it out. I think that at least like if they have a have have a game that they've really thought out. And really, really sort of um, fleshed out and fleshed out the characters and story and all that stuff. I think that would be better than just Churn. pumping them out. Yeah. Well, that goes on to the next point, which they uh, referred to their future, where they said they intend to strengthen their efforts to sow the seeds for new content they create and cultivate them consistently so they can pursue a variety of avenues and they will pursue a variety of avenues in order to do so. So, yeah, you're talking about the fact that they've, they've kind of learned that they need to develop their existing IPs, but they can't just exist, develop no. their existing IPs and continue to do so. They can't rely on Final Fantasy alone. They need to, right. they need to create new franchises. So they've specifically created the Tokyo, Tokyo RPG Factory. They're working on Project Setsuna, which is a new Japanese RPG franchise completely not connected to anything. Um, it's a, a blend of the SNES style RPG with modern technology. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a bold risk for them. Um, it's not a typical game that they would release these days on, especially on a PS4. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it made sense when they released uh bravely default on like a, the Nintendo 3DS. Cause that's the kind of thing that you would like play that on. Um, but the fact that they're just like taking a risk and releasing it on a PS4, um, are they releasing it on Xbox One as well? Or no, is it's it Vita. Oh, it's Vita. Sorry, sorry, Vita, Vita, Vita. But essentially, yeah, it's it's really it's really impressive that they are actually trying to do that, and they're trying to tap into the uh, JRPG genre once more with new stuff. I do wonder if they're going to do even more stuff now, though. Like what? If they'll just if they'll just focus on JRPGs, or if they'll I think they'll try and expand. I mean, that's the whole point. The The other next thing is, is the Square Enix Collective. So it was created to try and drive this kind of relationship so other people can come to them and say, here's a new game we want to make or here's a here's a here's um, an idea we've got for one of your existing IPs. Bearing in mind that some of their IPs are quite ra- quite random, like they own the, the uh, yeah. for Gex, I believe. <laughs> like there's a lot of Fear Effect, I think they have as well. Uh, they do have Life is Strange, uh, don't they? I think they just released the yep. latest episode of yeah. that, which has been doing pretty well. And that's obviously another new uh, IP, which has come out under which Matsuda. people are absolutely like gaga over. So I think there, it's definitely a positive move. I mean, it's not specifically positive for Final Fantasy, um, but, but hey. it's, I think it's good for the for the company because they can start pushing yeah. out in other ways and they can start developing these new franchises and they're. They're not just taking like a singular route to them. They're they're trying to say, okay, well, how can we put the foundations in place for us to create the next Final Fantasy? Because that's what they need. They they can't just have Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest and Kingdom Hearts, People would Tomb just Raider, get so Hitman, tired. and Deus Ex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it does make me wonder how much longer they're going to actually do Final Fantasies. Forever until it stops selling. I suppose so, but. But that's what the challenge is, isn't it? Yeah. Because if they just kept releasing the same game every every year or every two years, it would stop selling. I mean, like Call of Duty, it had its peak sales and now declining. Like it's that challenge to keep 
reimagining the franchise and keep making it interesting, which is what they did so well in the past. I think it kind of goes back to um, the new people that they're trying to bring up as well. Like they really, over the last um, sort of decade or so, they've lost a lot of the old people who were in Square Enix, who were creating all the content, and they really have to bring like the new boys up. And I think that that's, it's working out pretty well for them. It is, but it, it, I mean, it goes on to the next point, actually. Thanks for the segue there, Lawrence. No problem. Um, they've said that in such an ever-changing environment, insisting on complete self-reliance does not strike us the best approach for staying unique and highly adaptive as a company. So they're saying that, yeah, we appreciate the fact that we don't necessarily have the same talent that we used to or the fact that it's, you know, it's quite difficult to nurture and they don't have the same ideas that we used to have. So they're now saying, especially because the size of company they are too, they can't do it all by themselves. So you've got the the new near game, you've got Decidio Final Fantasy, you've got Dragon Quest Heroes, you've got Type Zero Online. They're all being developed by third parties. Square Enix are just overseeing the project, but they've been shipped out. So Nier's being developed by Platinum. Decidio's being, and uh, Dragon Quest Heroes are now being developed by Koei Tecmo. Omega 4 specifically, I believe. Uh, no, Team Ninja are doing um, yeah, Decidio Online. Yeah, Team Ninja. So yeah, you've got Tim Ninja, and then you've got Omega Force doing Dragon Quest Heroes. Um, Perfect World are doing uh, Type Zero Online. So they're they're finding people that they can work with, uh, that they're comfortable with, to handle their projects, because why not? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, and here's the thing, as they're building relationships more and more with these other companies, that's just going to open more doors for more unique and uh, entertaining projects for them to put out. Yeah, like, oh. This whole near two project with um, Platinum Games is just going to be absolutely incredible. Like, I'm just so excited. Because that's the one thing that, like, I feel like Square Enix has been a bit sort of struggling on at the moment. Like, gameplay-wise, I think that they've kind of reached a plateau almost. Like, they were doing really well initially. So they, like, had Final Fantasy VII with the Materia system, they had Final Fantasy VIII with the Junction system, and then they went to a more classic system with Final Fantasy IX, and then Final Fantasy X, they had, like, switching party members, and but those, on and on They and were on. always quite simple. They were always quite simple, but now they're trying to get more high, high sort of... Uh, they're trying to leap even further. You think about And I feel they... like they'll reach a point where they just start sort of... They, they just get it. They... they try to do something but they try to leap before they can walk i think uh, kingdom hearts was the only time where they really went into the action genre and it worked yeah but there again they started out really simple and then uh, well that was one of the things that nomura really wanted to do he wanted to like uh use the other consoles or sorry yeah yeah the other consoles uh console games to um like the handheld console games to try out new mechanics. So like with, I mean, hell with Chain of Memories, it was the card system, which was absolutely awful. I hated the card system. I could not get through Chain of Memories. Um, but I mean, you go on to like Dream Drop Distance and they have the whole action flow system, which they're going to mm-hmm. incorporate in, Vol- in Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, you have just a bunch of different, a bunch of different types of gameplay. It's essentially all like basically the same thing, but there's little additions here and there. And for Kingdom Hearts, it was easy to do that because he had more freedom doing the handheld console versions. Whereas with Final Fantasy, it's, it's very separated, isn't it? Cause you don't really have, you don't really have much, um, much outside of the, sort of main games really not anymore Dirge Cerberus yeah Dirge Cerberus tactics but again that's still kind of simple gameplay it's like stop start yeah like whenever they've tried to do more action orientated things like the bouncer was alright um Bushido Blade was alright like they didn't set the world on fire in any way whatsoever <laughs> like you think about some of like the online stuff I mean like hell like the whole Aguido thing like the, this this would probably keep them from running into the same mistakes as they have in the past where they've had like game breaking glitches because they're not prepared in order to make those kind of online titles like they just aren't they just don't they don't have that know-how because well they do but it's like for example it's all in the final fantasy 14 team and i'd rather they just fight <clears> for final <throat> fantasy well, yeah, 14 yeah 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 but i mean like in a different in a different sort of sense because like Gita was a lot different from final fantasy 14 from what i can understand 
I'm not entirely sure what the gameplay was like. I think it was I think it was just like type zero gameplay with, with Yeah, like the guest party members would come in mm. and they'd join your fights or whatever. Yeah. But essentially I think it's better to it's better to have outside contractors who really know what they're doing so that they can just be like, All right, we want this. Could you make this? Okay. That's cool. I mean you just look at Platinum as well, like the fact that they kind of saved Metal Gear Rising. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh Konami or Kojima basically held his head up and said We can't do this. Like we tried. <laughs> we attempted. You fix it. Yeah. And Platinum Games did. Yes they did. And which is why I'm so excited for Nier Two. Yes you are. <laughs> yes uh, we all are. I want is that soundtrack. Just give me that soundtrack. I know. We don't know what the soundtrack's gonna be like. <sighs> so I guess it's composed by the same guy, I'm good. It, I think it is. And Emmy Evans is gonna be a part of it. I don't know if yes. she is. Well, it kind of sounded like she was. Why would she not? I mean, honestly. Who knows? That'd be so sad. It would be sad. I mm-hmm. need Miami Evans in there. So that, I think that pretty much rounds out our um, our discussion uh, from the financial reports and the future of Final Fantasy. But I think it's pretty rosy. I, I think, I mean, if you think what we've got to look forward to from a Final Fantasy perspective, we've now got five games in the wings. Mm. Actually, actually, there's <laughs> more than that. If a you get the money. mobile games. I'm going to be poor. Yeah, uh, 2016. I'm going to have no money. I mean, that, that's nope. just the that's just how it's going to be. But where I mean, yeah, re- reading over the uh, articles where they have their financial report, almost everything was positive. There was just improvements all across the board, even on things we haven't brought up. I mean, there really was no bad news. It was all good. Yeah, the only thing they really said that was negative was the arcade stuff. Like they said that they were really seeing a sort of like stagnant, which is what they um, hope Dissidia is going to do. Which right? is why they're hoping, yeah, they're hoping Dissidia is going to change it. But the problem is like consumption rates in uh, uh, consumption taxes in Japan. I think is what they said. Um, apparently, like, they've gotten really high, and so less um, less of the Japanese people are actually going to arcades anymore, just because it costs so much. But yeah, they're still trying to hold on to it, especially with Dissidia, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I know, like, tourist-wise, like, any Final Fantasy fans going over to Japan are probably going to play the crap out of Dissidia. Yes, I know I would. Yeah, they definitely I will. I definitely would. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's also a question as well. I wonder if they'll put anything in Ar- Artnia, the, um, the cafe. Maybe. That'd be nice. I know it's like quite sort of Final Fantasy fourteen focused. I don't know if if the arcade uh, if the arcade um, cabinets would really go with the decor. Mm, yeah, which is very very much Final Fantasy fourteen. While you're here, why yeah. not play some Dissidia? Yeah, <laughs> but oh yeah, I, don't, I don't know. From what I've seen with the cafes, it seemed like it's more of a chill atmosphere, more so than an arcade yeah. place. Probably not a place for angry people. Well, they do have computers there though, where you can play Final Fantasy fourteen. So I'm sure there's probably some raging people. There's probably some raging people, but not raging arcade people. And they're a whole different story. Nah, they're not. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, on that note, um, I think we should head into some news. So the first story actually relates to Dissidia Final Fantasy. And that's that we now know that the game will be releasing in November in Japanese arcades. Specifically November 26th. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's I great. I can't believe it's so soon. I mean, it was just earlier this year that we actually knew this game existed, right? I think it was February or March. February was when it was announced, I think. And, um, yeah, we've only had, like, one sort of conference for it. And then now um, Famitsu's just released, like, a huge um, story on it, which is where we've gotten, like, all of this new information. But, yeah, yeah. So it's really, like, I mean, less than... Less than five weeks' time until until it will actually be released, which is really, really, really cool. And I also kind of hope, like, at the moment, they haven't really announced any villains. It kind of is making me thinking, like, or making me think that maybe there's no villains initially. Because they did say they were going to update the game, like, frequently with, like, new new characters and new stuff. But well, at the it, moment, it definitely seems like it's heroes versus heroes. It wouldn't surprise me if they just added in the same villains they had last time. I mean, they it would be do. easier for them. But it is yeah. quite strange that they haven't announced any villains. They haven't announced any. And I mean, in the in the videos, it's all been heroes versus heroes. Yeah, which, which will probably be okay at first. But I mean, they'll definitely want to add something else uh, quickly if it's only heroes. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, they haven't, they, like, they haven't gone into at all 
what the updating is going to necessarily be like. They've they've already said like probably at some point once Final Fantasy fifteen is released, they're gonna put in Noctis. So I don't know if maybe it will be monthly or if it will be like every six months or something they come out with an update. They'll usually do like stability updates because they'll want to make sure that no characters are overpowered and that kind of stuff. And they'll probably throw in a few things around when they do those. Whenever they want to do a promotion. Yeah, and then at some point, I guess because it's being developed on PlayStation 4 as well, there'll be a point where they tie together and then we'll get a version that is like, say, six months, seven months of tuning in the arcades. If anything, it's like a great way to sort of demo the game. It's what they typically do for fighting it games. Is. Yeah, it's just like, you know, you just put it in an arcade. If there's any glitches, you know, obviously the people will, um, the people who are playing the game will say something or hopefully say something. And um, then they go from there and fix the game so that when they re-release it, it's all nice and fresh and nice. Yeah, I and mean, Street Fighter and Tekken very much go through that process. So yeah. they get released in the arcades first. And then, you know, I mean, there, there's a version of Street Fighter Four literally called Ar- Arcade Edition. Mm. So yeah, they'll um, and they'll use them to tweak because yeah, if certain characters are just too powerful, or, or if people have found exploits, then they'll they'll patch them. I wonder if they will actually like do championships as well, like Dissidia championships. I just don't know how feasible that is. <laughs> you need six people. Yeah. Well, I mean, pff, they do all the League of Legends. That's true. They could have like teams, like Team um, Crystal, Team Chocobo, Team Moogle, Team Tonberry, Team Tonberry, Kakotar. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it sounds, I think it sounds really cool, and I really, really wish that we could just pop over and play it. But sadly, no. Sadly, no. So our next piece of news is uh, related to Lightning Returns. Do you want to take that, Jared? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, so uh, in December of 2015, Lightning Returns will be released on the PC. Um, I don't believe there's been a specific day given, though. We just know it's the month of December. So, um, hey, what are y'all's, y'all's thoughts on that? Y'all excited for it, or y'all, y'all were satisfied with the PS3 version? I think it sounds pretty cool. I mean, I haven't actually played any of the 13 series on PC yet. I've only been playing the older games, so I don't, I don't really know. I, well, was see, 13 um, 2, was 13 2 better than 13? Cause I know 13, there was a lot of reports that it was like really buggy. Yeah, I think they fixed it up. And then they fixed it up. So I guess for Lightning Returns, they'll, they'll hopefully have it on, um, on a good solid sort of ground. But. Yeah, and there, there's some speculation going around. The reason why it's taken so long for Lightning Returns to come out compared to the amount of time between 13 and 13 2 on PC is because they may or may not be, um, really giving those textures a good redo because there were complaints in the last two versions just about, the, well, I think it was like the uh, 30 frames per second that was locked. Uh, there were some texture issues. Mm. So r- people are really hoping they that when Lightning Returns comes out, that's already fixed ahead of time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of annoying when the games get released on PC and you find out they've done a half-assed version just to, I mean, that's when it goes back to exploitation, doesn't it? Because they just released it on there to make it a bit of extra money. Yeah, um, they didn't even bother like playing it. No, they didn't. They didn't mm-hmm. care about how it turned out. And I mean, like, uh, sorry, the original Final Fantasy Thirteen was a bit of a mess. And um, I think Thirteen Two, they fixed some things, but there were still improvements they could make. Actually, um, because Thirteen Two on the PC version came with all the DLC, we'll probably see the same thing with Lightning Returns because there was a lot of uh, costume DLC. Mm. Yeah. Are they, how are they handling the costume DLC? Are they just releasing those as Steam patches? Or did they already release all those? Uh, I don't know for sure because I, I really don't have anything to go on with that because I never bought 13.2 on Steam. So I have no idea how they handled the DLC in that area. I guess it would just be unlocked so, at the start of the game, right? Yeah. I'm not I, sure. I would assume so. The other thing that's interesting about this for me is that, um, obviously, this was only announced, what, like a week ago? We still have no concrete date on the Final Fantasy VII PS4 version. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. It's like, they, yeah, they've been really, really, really tight-lipped on that for some reason. I don't know if maybe they're having internal sort of problems with it, which... I mean, technically, could it could come out from any point in November to round through to, like, mid-February. Yeah. So I don't really know what that sort of means for us. Uh, we'll get it when we get it. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. I, I've played Final Fantasy VII so much that I'm just sort of like, 
eh, it comes on PS4. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's on, what, three extremely popular consoles now or yeah. systems? I mean, we have iOS, uh, basically everything on Sony but PS4 and PC. If you haven't played it by now, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with you, but... <laughs> You should have played it by now. <laughs> and technically, you know that that PS One platform is still popular. You can you can boot up on that. Yep. You can play it on your PS Two. Yeah. You can pretty much play on everything. Yeah. As long as it's not a Microsoft really, yeah. or Nintendo platform. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, no, you can't. You can't play the PS One version on a PS Four anymore, can you? I think they took that way that backwards compatibility now. Yeah, they did. I think so, yeah, PS Four is the only one you can't play it on. But PS Three, mm-hmm. you can. Yeah, definitely you can. PS One, PS Two, PS Three, PSP. PS Vita. And PS Vita. And PC. And iPhone. <laughs> but no PS4. So really, maybe that's just why that they're not really caring too much about it. Because it's just like, you can play it anywhere else if you want to. I guess they don't know how many people have just only got a PS4 now, though. That's true. There might be some people. Oh, that's weird. That's and, uh, weird to think You've about. also got to think about how many people... Because that's the reason why they released Final Fantasy X on PS4, wasn't it? Because of the people that didn't have a PS3 or Vita. Yeah, and I have I have already come across people who, yeah, the PS4 is their first PlayStation or it's their first con- console, full stop. It's just like those weird things when like, when you find people who were born in the late 90s or in the like 2000s. What was like, your first console? Well, mine was like uh, Atari. Oh, mine was a PS4. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. I mean, granted, like p- most people would probably roll their eyes... Um, People who are older than me would roll their eyes that mine I was roll my uh, eyes Sega all Genesis. The time. I know. I, I, I can't Genesis. stand when I hear kids talking and they're like, "Yeah, my parents were talking about a VHS tape and a VCR. What are those?" I'm like, "Oh, you kids have no idea what you you have missed out on. You have not you have not experienced the blockbuster rolling back, rewinding the tapes before you send them yes. back in." You know, you've missed out. You haven't. Lived. It getting stuck inside the freaking VCR and then you ruining the tape. Yo, so I'm saying that's in my rocking chair. Saying yeah. in my day we didn't have DVDs, we had VCRs. Yep. Mm. No skip function. There was any nope. good. No. Nope. Um. So Lauren, our last story is about Tabata and uh, him explaining a the little. Second bit to about- last story. We have 14 stuff to cover. It's true. We do. Completely forgot about that. Oops. Oops. Um, but yeah, Tabata was talking about the fact that um, the cast members in 15 were black and why that is. Yes. So apparently, um, like, there, there were actually, like, some people who had a problem with the fact that they were wearing all black. Um, I guess because they kind of look like members from My Chemical Romance. And it, um, typically Final <laughs> Fantasy characters have a lot of color. I guess so. Well, like, that's the thing, though. Like, it's they're all kind of different in their own way, which is why I really like the way that, like, Nomura did the art design for each game. Because um, the only game that they specifically focused on color was Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy X was when they were just like, all right, just make this, like, a color vomit of just epicness. And no, but even, like, a lot of the other ones, you look at, um, like, for example, 8... Chris is just wearing like a bright, bright, bright colored dress. Yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, like, Selfies colors wearing... specifically, colors specific, like, just, just making it really super colorful. Like, they weren't all wearing, like, there's no games where everyone's just wearing specifically one color. There's always a bit of variety in there. Yeah. Like, you look at the cast of nine, like, everyone's got flipping crazy hair color and, like, costumes, and, like, it's not just like, all right, I'm going to wear a leather jacket. <laughs> Well, then why is this such a problem that it's the first game where they're wearing all the it's same thing? It's just different, game? isn't it? Yeah. So, suck it. <laughs> no, it's kidding. Um, but anyways, uh, so Tabata's reasoning for this, which I think is an okay reason, is that this is actually representing uh, Lucius. So, um, essentially, the Empire of Lucius, like, they have this battle gear and... Their main color is black, and black has a very special significance within Lucius. And so, the reason why they're all wearing black is because it has a very special importance to Lucius. Uh, they all uh, represent different different types. I mean, we already kind of know that, but they all represent different areas um, of the sort of royal guard. So, Noctis wears black because he's part of the royal family, and then the other guys... 
um, wore a specific gear according to where they were placed within the kingdom and how they related to the royal family. Why Prompto's wearing a patch that has some cursing on it, though? he's a rebel. I don't know if that uh, applies to his job title. Um, I guess we will see. But uh, essentially, that is the reasoning for it. But to be fair, I think I think Nomura would have had them all in black as well. If you think about... Well, that that's a point, actually. They weren't. He probably would have. Organization 13, freaking all black trench coats. I don't think they were originally wearing all black. Were they not? No. Well, I'm going to rack my memory here, but I believe Ignis was wearing like a white t-shirt. Final... Well, a white t-shirt, honestly. Well, like it's still variety. <laughs> <laughs> variety i have a white t-shirt Ooh. i can't remember what the other guys were wearing but um i don't think they were wearing all black before yeah they were just wearing white like uh, wearing like white a white t-shirt but that's that's it, it's still primarily black i know but that's the big difference now isn't it like now they're oh my wearing... god they took away a white they took away the white no, but t-shirt. now they're wearing specifically all black mm. whereas before it was just kind of like more natural clothing they just want to take a book out of reservoir dogs where they're all wearing you know a black a black suit not black shirts though not black shirts <laughs> oh my god just accept it accept it daryl's accept that they are wearing all black yeah it's just another change isn't it <sighs> just another change i mean honestly i never even gave it a second thought so it's like okay they're wearing black i i, I don't know it seems like sometimes people yeah. are so nitpicky about this stuff I don't know, maybe I'm the only one here, but I was maybe like, okay, they're in black, and I never gave it another thought. Maybe they're just very caring about their figure. I mean, like, black is very slimming. Is it? Yeah. Gladio's clearly not bothered about his figure. No, he's not, but the other one's <laughs> He's wearing a waistcoat, though. Yes. I think Gladiolus just doesn't care. He just does not give give a crap. He's awesome. But yes, anyways, um, final news story is about Final Fantasy fourteen patch 3.1, um, which is called As As Goes Light, So Goes Darkness, I believe. Yeah, As Goes Light, So Goes Darkness. So it's more darkness. Yay, Nomura, he's sleeping into Final Fantasy fourteen. Woohoo. <laughs> uh, yeah. And some insane are going to be the final bosses. It's going to be Nomura in a belt, Nomura in a black belt. With a zipper. There we go. But, um, so yeah. So essentially, uh, as goes light, goes, so goes darkness. It's patch 3.1. Um, there's going to be new story. Um, we won't really get into that. Uh, but Void Arc is going to be a part of it. And there's going to be Sky Pirates and all that sort of stuff. They're also bringing back some mounts, um, from the, uh, previous sort of, um, uh, uh Realm Reborn slash early ones um i forget which ones they were actually just give me one second i think it's um they just announced it the other day uh the drought chocobo uh the logistics system and the bomb palanquin palanquin they're all going to now be flying mounts in 3.0 areas so but only there yeah so the only thing is is that like you won't be able to use them in areas like um like Gridania and stuff where, you know, you were able to, uh, use them before. Um, they, they basically just won't be flying in those areas, but they'll be flying on all the 3.0 areas. So you'll be like, Oh, I'm in Nishgard. Yay. And now I'm flying. Um, the other things that they were talking about were Saint, um, Machian's Arborinum and Pharaoh's Sirius Heart. And that's essentially it. They had some new um, screenshots and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I got to give them uh, props for each of these updates they do. I mean, I've currently I am not playing uh, Realm Reborn, but each time I see uh, these updates, it makes me more and more excited that I am eventually getting a PC yeah. that can handle this game because it's getting yeah, it's harder really and harder to Darren resist. And I are enjoying it. Give in, Jared. And uh, give in. Give in to the darkness. Oh. <laughs> No, it is though. I'm going to I'm going to spend like an hour <laughs> trying to decide what and classes are. And what hair color and what size of your pupil? They're important decisions. They are very important. Oh no! Oh no! Like the hair color and whatnot, I can care less about that. It's, for me, it's all about the classes. 
Yeah, but you got to understand my mentality. It's not going to matter because it's going to be my first class and I'm going to be stuck with <laughs> yeah, that for X amount of time. Your decisions. Well, about a couple of hours. Yeah. <laughs> you can change pretty quickly. Yeah, you can change. Oh, it doesn't matter. I will still spend way more time than I should trying to figure out yeah, what class to start out with. Yeah, you can change pretty easily in Fall Fantasy XIV, thankfully. Try them out. Cool, which one you like? Yeah, that's good. I'm a conjurer, hoping to be a white mage. Uh, and Daryl's a bard. No, I'm not. I'm an archer. Archer. Archer bard. Archer bard. Because you sing songs. <laughs> oh, the the, uh, the paladin yeah. and the dragoon are rather tempting. I mean, if only because I love uh, Kane and Cecil yeah, so much. Yeah, dragoons are pretty awesome. I just sort of like the machinist. Like, the machinist has always interests me. And I'll see, I, I was really interested in the machinist at first because um, in tactics, which if you don't know by now, I play all the time. Uh, that, that's like a really useful character because you could um, shoot specific parts of a character mm. and they won't be able to use that part of their body. But from what I'm hearing, they're not, like people tend mm. to have mixed feelings yeah, about yeah, them yeah. on the MMO. Um, yeah, there's there's some people who don't really like, I just think they look cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, they well, look anyway. awesome. That's pretty much it for our news. So um, now we're going to move on to the outro. And uh, Lawrence picked some music for us this episode. Uh, yeah, so it's Besaid's theme from Final Fantasy X. And it's a sort of dubstep uh, remix. They basically add some drums and some nice sounding stuff in there. Um, the artist is Vos on YouTube, so you can check him out. Um, and it's really nice. It's calming. I prefer the Besaid theme from the first game just because I like the little scale and... All that sort of stuff. I think it's very pretty. So it's really fun. Okay, well, the next episode is scheduled to come out on the 24th of November. But um, Brandon's probably going to be taking that episode. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. We may have a little moogle on the way. Yeah. I may be writhing in pain, unable to do a podcast. Although it would be very entertaining, probably, <laughs> for some people. Oh my god, Final Fantasy news! And push. <laughs> <laughs> Tabata said this. <laughs> yeah, so Brandon, uh, depending on what happens, um, Brandon potentially will be covering next episode. Um, but yeah, uh, if you're listening for the first time, please be sure to subscribe. You can find us on iTunes if you type in Final Fantasy. Or if you go on YouTube, you can go to forward slash FF Union Vids. And of course, you can check out all our coverage at FinalFantasyUnion.com. But uh, yeah, it's goodbye time for us for now. Bye, guys. See you soon. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production.